welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Remember when we did um, online-only services last year? We went for 15 weeks and we were madly organising and thanks to some brilliant techie people, uh, you know, we, I thought we did well and we were able to bring the word and we had some fun. Do you remember some of the intros we did? And mainly Chris Debenham, well, I know he did a brilliant run with his drone and he had that footage with 2001 Space Odyssey music, remember? And the drone came down into the courtyard and approached the, the auditorium. We had the staff and Frosty being silly at some point in the courtyard, just welcoming everyone to church, just trying to make it a bit interesting. My personal favourite, though, was a collaboration of myself, but again with Chris's brilliant technical filmmaking skills and starring my golden retriever dog Sonny and you may remember he was galloping around and approaching the church along to the tune of a song called I want to go to church or it's called church but I just wanted to um, remind you of the lyrics of that song by Cochrane and Co an American band and you'll be pleased to know I'm not going to sing it for you I'll just read the lyrics um, and the, they, they say this, There was a time when I swore I would never go back. I was blind to the truth, didn't know what I had. I was running, I was searching, but every place I turned for healing left me more broken than the last. Take me back to the place that feels like home, to the people I can depend on, to the faith that's in my bones. Take me back to a preacher and a verse where they've seen me at my worst, to the love I had at first, oh, I want to go to church. And uh, it's a great song because the music suits the, it's stirring and we didn't ever have time for a second. I needed a lot more footage for Sonny if we had done the next verse, you know, but if you look up that song, it's, it's got a lovely move beat to it. Well, Michael Cochran, the songwriter, was inspired to write that through his own experience. Uh, because he had a uh, challenging time with fractures and difficulties and conflict and dramas uh, in his local church. Uh, but for all its faults, he found that it was still worth going back to church. And uh, that's what I want to talk about this morning. Because we've been revisiting our mission statement from the beginning of the year. Reaching up to worship God, reaching out with the good news, good news of Jesus, reaching in with love and training or with discipleship and fellowship. And so all throughout January, you know, we heard from different speakers about reaching up, a lifestyle of devotion, prayer and Bible reading and, and that, and then, uh, and then reaching out. Byron preached a great message a couple of weeks ago about personal witnessing. And then last week, of course, of uh, reaching out is, uh, you know, the application of compassion and child sponsorship. So reaching in is all about church life. And uh, I just want us to consider that question of, of why, <laughs> why church? Why, why is church so important? Why do we go on about it? Why are we prioritising it? Uh, because as you may know, I actually, I think referred to it earlier today, I didn't get brought up in church life at all. 
I had no church family experience. I had never been to a church service until I became a Christian as a teenager and then started going along. And I've found over the last 40 plus years since that initial commitment to God and connection to the local church, that the local church is awesome and far from perfect. (laughs) I've seen, as maybe you have seen, the good, but also the bad and the ugly side of church life. And uh, and there's no ignoring that. Um, But there is still this discovery of the greatest community that you can be part of. This amazing, wonderful thing that's worth being connected to and committed to. And so today, I want to bring you my top 10 reasons to love the church. Reasons to be committed to the local church. And, um, you know, I, uh, I might not have time uh, to really give all 10 uh, the, the justice, the time that they deserve. Because it'd be nice if I just had a three-point message, because uh, you can normally package that in. But there's too many things to say about the church uh, and how wonderful and important and awesome it is. And so uh, I stopped at 10. You could probably add more to that. Um, and some that I've got, you might uh, think are pretty obvious and you'll agree on. Some might surprise you. Uh, so I've actually got an outline that we'll put on the um, table at the back because I'll probably just land on a couple of points and not have time to share too long. Uh, but you can take the scriptures and the outline. And so 10 reasons to love the church. Here we go. You ready? Strap yourselves in. Because as I said, three points. I could do that in 20 minutes, but hey, a couple of hours. You know. No, 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 we'll be fine. I'll let you out of here at some point. Um, so number one reason to love the local church, it's God's will. <laughs> it is God's will and it glorifies Him for people to be in and part of and connected to His church. Because Jesus made it quite clear when He was on earth before He left, He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't even stand up against it. So that's his mission statement. That's quite a priority. That's discovered in Book of Matthew, uh, chapter 16, verse 18. And as I said, all these scriptures we'll have on that list. Some of them I think should be up uh, as we're going through. Because, you know, the last 2,000 years, I think the next slide would have that scripture. That was my prompt. Uh, There we go. Um, Uh... You know, through thick and thin and turmoil and problems and persecution and the, the failings and foibles of mankind, <laughs> Jesus has been and continues to build his church. He's, he's bringing his presence, his power, his promises into people's lives through the local church. And it continues to stand around the world as a beacon of, of Faith, hope, and love of of light for people, and uh, and this is important because uh, you know another scripture I think will come up is from First uh, Timothy three fifteen. the The Bible says the church is the pillar of truth in society, the pillar and foundation of truth. So we need that more than ever before. People need you know. There's so many crazy, wacky ideas. I mean, who would be a woman in sport at the elite level when you can get some Buffhead bloke just say, well, I'm a chick, and then just go and take them on and win weightlifting medals. And so we got some crazy stuff going on in the world. And, uh, and so people need truth. They need a source of reliable truth, and they will find that in a good Bible-believing church. 
And so it's important. It's powerful. It's, it's essential for society, for our uh, personal lives and our community. Uh, and for us, we are called into this because the Bible says, look at this next scripture, that we are living stones built together into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. And so that means you're important. Each one of us have a part to play as a, a stone that's alive, that God builds together. And if you were a stone, if you were a brick, you know, you could be a lone brick and that would be a sad life. They're the bricks that are in the corner of the backyard, just stopping the dog from crawling under the fence, you know, covered in dog, yeah, you know. And, uh, or you could get together with some other bricks and be part of this amazing structure because look what happens when you get bricks together, you know. And so that's our choice. We can be a living stone or you can be a Lone Ranger brick and just, you know, have a sad life. And so uh, there's so many scriptures about how it's God's will for us to be together. Here's one more, uh, which you may know uh, from uh, Hebrews 10.25. And it says, Let us not neglect meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. Get together, especially now. The day of his return is drawing near. And so there is, uh, isn't it interesting? That's the very first century of Christianity. They were the honeymoon period. That's the exciting time. That's like, wow, Jesus starting his church. We've got all these, these, we've got people in the church who knew Jesus or have had, you know, real strong connections. Like Jesus' brother, James, is bang right there in the church. And, uh, and so we got, and yet already early on, people were already finding reasons or excuses for not meeting together. Oh, well, I don't know about that. They were leaning into the, the concept of, oh, well, I'm part of the church universal, but I don't know about the local church. Or, or this one, I love God, but I can't stand the church. Now, let me make this clear. I understand I am not being blithely dismissive of people's issues and hurts and offences and stuff that's gone on because history shows, both recent and long-term human history, how terrible things have gone on in people's lives because of the institutional church. But I still believe, and God's will is clear, that we need to work through whatever issue may have come into our life, whatever stuff has occurred, so that we can get through it and still follow the call of God to be part of his family, to be connected to his local church. Because Jesus loves his church. He died for his church. So I figure... Flip, I don't want to be dismissive of that and say, yeah, right, oh, Jesus, well, that's your priority, but it's not mine. It, it, no, no, no. What he loves, I should love. What he's into, what he died for, I should be aware of. It's a little bit like, you know, parents, when you tell your kids what to do and they say, why? What is the best answer you can possibly give? Because I say so. Parents, you've got to use that line. Come on. I know there are times... There are times when you're feeling com incredibly compassionate and you just have the time to bless them with an explanation and there are times when that, you know, okay, sure, this is why you don't eat all the lollies in the cupboard or this is why it's not going to go well for you if you steal money from the little jar of coins, which probably doesn't exist anymore, when you steal my phone and tap and go at Woolworths, you know, but there used to be coins of jar, uh, you know. But whatever it may be that you're telling your child to do or not to do, yeah, sure, 
give them an explanation at times. But even if you've got the time, sometimes don't because it's good for them just to learn and respect the voice of, the, of authority. And you are that in their life. And when they learn that, they will learn to respect God and His Word. Why? Because I say so. So for me, when I read the Word, I don't want to be selective and say, well, God, I don't feel like praying. It just doesn't really suit me to read the Bible. You know, I don't, I don't feel led to kind of, you know, forgive that person. I don't, I don't feel like going to church. I don't, it doesn't matter what I feel. I just want to do as I'm told. It, do, it goes well for me. Why, God? Because I said so. Okay, that's good enough for me. And so I think that's a great reason. <laughs> I can stop right there. That's the only reason we need to be part of the church. You'll be pleased to know that when you do as you're told, he's the perfect father. It goes well. He knows what's good for us, like a good parent. You know when your kids are little and, and they just don't get it? It's like, look, I don't have time to explain. Your little brain just won't get this, but I, this is good for you. So I, just do as you tell, you know, it is, you, you will not, the truck is bigger than you, so hold my hand. Hands, you know, my kids used to laugh. I'd approach a, a, a road and, and they still joke about it and say, apparently I would say, hands, the voice of authority, which means, boom, you know, take my hand. We're crossing the road. Don't give me the, I don't want to hold your hand. I'm three and I'm going to, you know, negotiate the traffic on my own. You'll, you'll hold my hand, you know. And, uh, and so now they're in their 20s and 30s. I sometimes let them walk across the road on their own. Um, and, uh, you know, but if I'm there, you know, Hudson, hands, yes, Dad. And he'll pick up my hand and spin me around the room. Get me in a, okay, okay, hard. yeah, very funny. Yeah, yeah, he's got some move and I'm, you know, breathing, trying to breathe. So, um, look, it blesses us when we do as we're told, so to speak. Uh, and you'll be pleased to know the next nine reasons really are a blessing to you. They really are, other, you know, not just a reason to love the church, but a benefit in loving the church, okay? So the next one why do I love the church? Why should I be connected to the church? Number two, because it keeps me connected with the Lord. It keeps me growing in God. Now, of course, we understand that the essence of the Christian life is a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus as our Saviour and Lord. But that personal relationship shouldn't be a private independent, isolated, disconnected relationship because like anything, we do life better in community, when we're connected with others. And so this is why church is powerful because we grow better in God when we are with other people doing the same kind of thing, heading in the same direction, encouraging us to go along towards God and His purposes. And just like, you know, we're all into these uh, fire pits I mean, Hudson Lara's got this lovely new home. We were over there the other day and he wanted to try out the new fire pit. I mean, it kind of was pushing 30 degrees and, you know, humidity's like 98%, you know. But anyway, the fire pit was there going away. It's good, hut, great, got the fire. It's good, good ambience, you know, but certainly by winter it'll be great. But, you know, those fire pits, and we know this, if you get a fire and you've heard this analogy before and you take a coal or a piece of wood out of that fire and isolate it, it'll quickly go out. But when it's together with other coals or other pieces of wood, they burn right through. They fire each other up. And, of course, that's what we do. Together we fire each other up. What do you say, Boz, to the blokes at work? Open up a can and fire up. I don't know about the open up a can. It's not, you don't – open up a can of fire up. It's a fire up, yeah, drink. 
Yeah, I thought it was like, right, smoke goes over, have a can of beer and fire. I did, okay, I, I thought it was open up a can of it. Okay, I get that. All right. Yeah, thank you for that. I heard you preach that. I was watching you online. And he's like, yeah, I said to the guys at work, open up a can and fire up. And I'm like, and can? Okay, <laughs> I get it. Right, all right. So, uh, look, I've seen for myself over the decades I've followed the Lord, the differences in spiritual growth between people who stay in church and people who get dislodged out of church. And again, sometimes it's very difficult to stay because they have been hurt and they get disaffected and disappointed and, and, and disappear from the life of the local church. But they uh, find their Christian growth stunted and they will do well to, to get over that issue and get back into the community of faith. Um, and, of course, I've seen people who, who keep their hands on the plough through some tough times and they come through those tough times out the other side and they're growing deeper in their faith and their walk with God and uh, because they've got other people, like I said, alongside helping them out. And, um, and we get reminded of our identity when you're with people doing the same kind of thing. So we are, our identity is in Christ. We are God's children. We are God's citizens. This is really powerful for children. As I said, in this world with some crazy ideas, ideas and concepts and ideologies floating around, for children to be brought up in the house of God, and I've seen this, I see this in our own church over 27 years or whatever we've been here on the coast, to see the generations growing up and those that are staying in the house of God getting a, a foundation for life. And they grow out of kids' life and in teenage years, whoa, and then out into the world of, you know, everything that's got to offer. And their foundation, even though they're buffeted by all kinds of stuff, they've got a, a rock, a solid foundation, you know, and they're able to keep following God, serving God, loving God, being part of God's family. And they know no matter what the world says, hey, I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm part of the family of God. And and, and the church helps that. I mean, whether it's in your local church or you go travelling and you walk into any local church and there's this weird thing. You go overseas. I've had this happen in so many places overseas where you don't even speak the language. You are so different culturally and yet there's this weird thing. It's like, you're my brother. You know, it's just there's this family bond with complete strangers who you've never met before and you're hearing worship in a language you don't follow and you're praying with people, ministering with people and, and it doesn't matter whether you're Australian or Vietnamese or Thai or Russian or any place that I've been to and ministered, it's, we're citizens of heaven. And so this, the church encourages that and reminds us that's where we're heading. That's our long-term home. That's, this is cool if you, praise God, we're Australian. Yeah, we, you know, we chose we got we got the long straw uh, so to speak you know to be in this country but it's you know people say oh god's own country and and all that yeah but it doesn't last forever down here but eternity does and heaven does and so this is good for us the church reminds us refreshes our revelation of that identity that calling that direction that we've got in life yeah and so and of course the other powerful thing about 
the church keeping us connected with God is the encounter opportunity that we have. When we are worshipping, when we are together, when we are meeting, God moves. We've seen miracles. You get people healed. There's, there's the sense of the presence of God. Of course, technically God's presence is everywhere, but our awareness of his presence is heightened when we are in a focused gathering. Jesus said, where two or three are gathered, I'll be there with you. Now again, theologically, you can say Jesus is everywhere. Yeah, but he said that so that we'd be reminded to meet together. You just get a gathering of people focused in his name, he says. Oh, wow. And then there's an awareness of the presence of God. There's an, there's an appreciation of the power of God. We get supernatural encounters with the living God. And you've had that, I trust, in sometimes it doesn't have to be spectacular. You don't have to get... You know, the shivers and fall over or do, you know, that may happen, but, but sometimes it's the still small voice of God. It may be in a meeting, it might be just making, you know, a, a connection with the Lord that is deeper. It might be a refreshing of something that was lost, a reminder, a revelation, all kinds of stuff. And that doesn't occur as much when we're isolated. Of course, we have our own personal devotional times but there's something powerful about the gathering, yeah, that helps us be strong in God. So number three, the church is awesome because it helps us with relationships. Listen to what um, Rick Warren says. Life is about learning to love. The purpose of your time on earth is not primarily about acquiring possessions, attaining status, achieving success, or even experiencing happiness. These are secondary issues. Life is about love and relationships with God and with other people. Doesn't he write well? Very simple. So God is love and as his greatest creation made in his image, our best life is lived when we are modelling him, becoming more like him and that includes loving. The problem is love doesn't come naturally, doesn't come easily. Because we can easily focus on our own needs and wants and desires and, and we've got selfishness lurking around inside us like a little creature that you can feed. <laughs> and then, you know, it can be an, an ugly beast that, that rules your life, your motivations, your attitudes, your direction. If you don't tame it, you don't deal with it, kill it, bring it to the cross. And, um, and if you let that get out of control, you will ignore the needs of other people or you will be very selective with your love that you dispense only, out to, only towards those who love you back. And so you end up stunting the relationship opportunity because it's all about you. Well, Jesus has designed his church to help us learn how to love because you can't learn to love on your own. We need other people. And, and the more the merrier. And the more different they are, the better. Even sometimes the more annoying they are, the better. They're just different personalities, different persuasions, different. And Jesus said, oh, I've got just the answer, the church. I'm going to get people from all kinds of walks of life, all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities and nationalities and character traits. And I'm going to throw them all together and I'm going to call them the family of God, perfect father, that's all you need. 
And brothers and sisters, you know parents, your kids sometimes it's like, oh, will you get on with your, stop fighting with your, he didn't stop it. And, fight, you know. and sometimes God's like, oh, well, kids, you know, I've heard Pastor Phil Pringle often preach about, um, you know, God's in the front seat of the car and the kids are in the back, you know. And he's saying, we're going this way. He's like, well, are we there yet? Why, he stole my thing. He's looking out my side of the window. You know, it's like, you look in your own window. Oh, kids, please, really, you know. And God, you know, God is just going up. Oh, Guys, please, can you get on, you know? And, uh, and so that's, that's church life sometimes. Um, and, uh, and that's why parents, when you have more kids, you just need bigger cars for more space. Ideally, a car for every child and a chauffeur. How much, how good holidays would have been? Imagine that. If I just had unlimited wealth, I would have just said, right, I'm getting a chauffeur-driven car for each child. See you in Coffs Harbour. Off you go. You know, and they, I'm not going to spend my money and go, you know, any further than that. That was about as good as it got, you know. But, uh, okay, unlimited wealth. All right, maybe we'd have gone to Byron Bay then. Okay, whatever. But, uh, you know, but, God, but it's good for you in the same way that, you, you know, the rough and tumble of family life. You, you hear interviews with kids with lots of siblings who were poor and you've ne- I've never heard one of them say, I wish we didn't have 12 children. I wish there were only three and we had more for each other and we had a little bit more wealth. You never, they just say, oh, it was crazy. We had no money, but it was awesome. Had all these kids, all these brothers and sisters, you know, and that's church life. The, the more the merrier, the more different, the more challenging, but the more awesome, yeah? Uh, because, you know, you can build good relationships on a few different platforms. One is just proximity. There's great power in proximity, just doing life together. And you know this perhaps for people who you've been friends with for years, who are really different. Like I've got mates who I knew from infant school and we've, been, we've known each other for 50 years and we are so different in personality. I mean, we've annoyed each other so much over the years. It's like, why are you like that? But we've got too many shared experiences to not be friends. Grew up in the same neighbourhood, share the same school stories, got in trouble with the police together, had the same car crashes together. I remember rolling in a car, looking at my mate thinking, if we ever get out of this, I think we're going to have a bit of a bond, you know, and we still have stories to tell, you know, and you go to, and we got born again together and we end up, you know, slapping each other around the chops to make sure we got the right life partner. She's not good for you, mate. Yeah, but I really love her. Bang, bang, stop it, you know. And, uh, you know, all this, this, uh, connection that you have doing life and you just end up being friends. Uh, And then, of course, you can have common interests that draw people together. Might be a passionate local orchid grower, you know, macrame maker. Come on, bring back macrame. Anyone from the 70s here? Uh, You know, spinning. My mum used to be into spinning. What happened to the spinning? Mum, you're watching? Where's the spinning wheels? She was awesome. I have these jumpers, hairy Greasy, cool jumpers. It was so cool. Just sloppy kind of jumpers that my mum spun and knitted. She was in a spinning club. Always just wool everywhere, just spinning all the time. It was great. I don't know what happened. Is anyone spinning? Come on, let's get into spinning. And and yarning, kneading or whatever you call it. So people, I mean, as you know, for me, I'm into motorbikes and I've, I've got mates from all different walks of life, like, Yobbo, Bogan, Westy, Ruff, guys, and then the intelligentsia, you know, from the top end of town to the wrong side of the tracks, you know, young hooligans and older, you know, distinguished gentlemen, and you just get two wheels and an engine, and they're 
boom, there's a fraternity. And you, you go riding up to Jerry's, whatever, and you'll get blokes with all kinds of weird and wacky different backgrounds. But, uh, you know, there's sort of something about the thing. And you find that with, you know, surfing or fishing or all kinds of stuff. So, um, you know, there's something very powerful about a common interest and and doing life together. And then the third thing that's very common that draws people together is when they're working on a project together. They've, they're working towards something that's worth achieving, worth fighting for, worth attempting. Like it could be a, a, a partnership in business or a, a, a charity that they're believing to really help people or a work collaboration. Well, all those elements, that proximity, that sharing of common interests and that working together, they're all elements found in the local church. Because we're just doing life, we're worshipping, we're gathering together, we are sharing a passion for the, the love of God, the purposes of God, and we are building together as living stones. It's awesome, isn't it? All right. Number four. All right. I might bounce on a couple of here. Look, it helps you learn forgiveness. This is a sort of a flow on out of relationships, but it deserves its own category because we need to learn how to forgive. And again, you can't learn to forgive without people, without issues, and God's happy for them to occur in his church. You know, what do they say? Don't go to that perfect church because if you find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll ruin it. You're not perfect, you know. And so we're all imperfect and it's good for us. And again, I've seen over the years, sadly, I've seen people walk away from things that were situation and people and offences and conflict that would have helped them work through. It's the same in, you know, marriage or any relationship. God does set things up for us, not to crush us, but times that are difficult so that we'll grow. And growing in forgiveness is a big one. And uh, wow, it's, it's, it's not easy. Uh, but it's a great lesson if you don't avoid the opportunities that God brings. Um, let's just keep moving. As I said, there's scriptures and, and uh, you can consider these for yourself uh, later. Number five reason church is awesome is because we get social and spiritual support. So, look, we need others. What did John Dunn say? Uh, Martin, help me out here. No man is an island. Each unto himself, though some of called themselves so or something, you know. Um, and, and so people like to think, you know, self-made man or whatever, I can do life on my own. We do life so much better with other people. We, if you go, if you move, you go to a new town, you travel somewhere, you go into a local church, you will find people that welcome you, hopefully, <laughs> and, uh, and love you uh, and, uh, and, and, and stand by you. There'll be a shoulder to lean on, they'll pray with you, they'll help you, practical support, uh, and uh, look at this scripture in First Thessalonians. Encourage one another. Build one another up just as you are doing. And that is a calling for the church. And, uh, you know, a half-decent local body of believers will be doing that for people. And you, as I said before, you don't just get social help, you get supernatural help because those same believers will stand by you, pray with you, and embrace and bring the power of God into your life. Uh, look, Peter and Bernice, I've got to commend them. Uh, when they came, what, two, three years ago, perhaps, to our church, they walked in on a Sunday and, you know, we try to be friendly. Uh, but for some people, it's easier to be friendly because they're not racing out the door straight away. 
And these guys stuck around and they introduce themselves, they're friendly, they're, you know, and so they connect really well. So they end up going, oh, you got a connect group? Bam, we'll be there that week, great. That very week, Peter was diagnosed with a life-threatening illness. And what good timing to go along to a local church and not just visit and go, yeah, we'll think about it and take off, you know, but, you know, go, this will do. Yeah, great. I mean, you know, preaching's all right and the coffee was nice, bang. I mean, it's not rocket science, you know. It's like just, you know, the music, they seem to play in tune, all right. Air conditioning, we probably didn't have it then, I don't know, but, you know, whatever. It's Like I said, it's not that hard. You just go, yeah, this will do. They seem to, you can look on Statement of Faith, eh, nothing wacky, great, we're in. And, um, and so they join. And that very week, he's got this terminal diagnosis. And they're connected. And so they've got prayer warriors like Nadia and Edgar and Harriet and they go, we'll stand by you and away they go. And so he beat that not just once but twice. And he's been through the grinder, you know, all kinds of treatment and all that. And he's always so chirpy. I mean, I've said this before, but it bears repeating. Visit him in the cancer ward. He's there. They come in, take his lunch order. They're friendly and, you know, what would you like? Would you like the beans? Yep. Would you like the orange juice? Or the, yep. Would you like that? He's just like, yeah, that's all good. Yes, great menu. I just picked the first one. You know, it's all good. Yeah, thanks, love. Yeah, good, great. And she leaves and he goes, you know, it's wonderful. The staff here are wonderful. It'd be very hard to be depressed around here. I said, Peter, just, 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 I've got to reflect on what you just said there. You're in a cancer ward. You've been here for weeks. I think some people would find it pretty easy, actually, to be depressed. That's on you. You have to realise you have got a great outlook on life and your faith in God is really buoying your spirit up. Oh, yeah, but, you know, no, but the staff really are very good, you know. So um, <laughs> so I just commend him, you know. Um, and yeah, give him a clap and his wife. And they have challenges. You know, in extended family, very difficult circumstances, but they're here today. And they are here every week and they are serving and connected and, and, and that is a powerful thing to get that social, spiritual support in the local church, yeah? Uh, number six, the church is awesome because you get to develop your gifts. You find out what you're good at. Mitchell Cherkov, he's 12-year-old, we need a drummer. Oh, I don't know how to drum. You're Russian, you've got rhythm, you'll do, bang. Ruth get, throws him on, get a tambourine. Boom, boy, I could probably do this. What do you know? I'm awesome. I'm going to join a rock band. I'm famous, you know? And away he goes. Hudson, we need a drummer. Yeah, drumming's good. Yeah, great. Bang, drummer. You know? So music, technical things, serving hospitality, teaching gifts. You know, we've all got gifts and in God's house, there's always an opportunity for us to use them and even discover things that you didn't know. Like I said, like whether it's, you know, drumming or something else. And uh, scripture is, uh, there's several all about, uh, there we go, there's uh, in Corinthians talking about the body of Christ and we've all got different gifts, many parts, but one body, yeah? And again, we could spend a lot of time on that, but uh, it's fantastic. Number seven, you know, the church is awesome because it stirs you, challenges you to fulfil the Great Commission, to preach the gospel, to make disciples. Jesus has given us this great challenge. And again, if we're not careful, if we're isolated, we can easily just be selfish, just live life on our own. You know, well, I, I believe in God and I'm going to heaven. Well, that's great, but there's other people that you should be helping to come with you. And the church, again, a half-decent church will stir us and encourage us on that track. Number eight, 
It's good for your health. Stats have proven, research has been done all around the world for many, many years. They have proven that people who are connected to the local church have less depression, less likely to smoke, better health, better mental health, less, you know, alcohol consumption and lower blood pressure and improved immune systems and all this stuff. It's not to mention the power of prayer for healing. Again, the community of believers. Um, Number nine, it helps you make great life decisions. Some of the best decisions you'll make are with either help consciously that you're inviting from trusted brothers and sisters, people, wise, not asking everybody everything, but just having a teachable heart and finding out, oh, that guy, that person, yeah, they've been through that. They could help me. They seem to, and God brings people in his church into your life to help you with good advice. But also there's an anointing. And I've said this before, you can make some of the best decisions in your life sitting in the house of God. I've had people come up to me and say, that was amazing what you said when you were preaching because you went, ah, 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 I'm thinking, I didn't say anything about that. But their brain's going through this big, you know, what sort of job or will I try and pursue that life partner or, you know, should we make this decision? And then there are those conscious times, you know. Um, I mean, we've seen from little kids to teenage years to young adults figuring out who to marry to then navigating into growing up life of children and housing and, you know, I look around and see, you know, the younger Cherkovs here and, John Owen, Katie meeting in the house of God. Bethany, Justin, you met at hockey, but you know you do. <laughs> but 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 you're doing well, uh, you know. Um, Eleanor and Caleb meeting at the Bible College. Eleanor gets married at 19. That's ridiculously young, but I can't argue because that's where Ruth and I met. The same Bible College, bridal college, Bible College, you know. And so, you know, you just meet people with the same. And then where are the McDonalds meeting in the youth? Talk about punching, you know, John says, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask Janelle out. I'm like, really? She, I don't know. She's going to say yes, you know. And the next thing is, I'm going to ask Janelle to marry me. I'm like, wow, seriously? Okay, be ready, you know. Like, I, I, I hope he's not going to get led, you know. And she says, yes. I think, wow, you know. Uh, diamond in the rough. She's got vision and, and prophetic insight, you know, this guy. And, uh, you know, and, and, the, and, and they, they get married. They're well, okay, they were teenagers when they met and then they got to know each other in the youth group and they get married. They then, and then, um, sorry, right, and then, um, and then they're just asking advice from other people about like housing. I remember, you know, should we, should we buy, should we buy a house? And there were some reasons against it, but there were only a couple of good strong ones for it and they went for it and of course got in the housing market and, you know, just a great blessed life from being connected and teachable. Look what Proverbs says. And there's a lot of scriptures, a lot of Proverbs about getting guidance. By wise guidance, you can wage war. It's in the abundance of counsellors that you find victory. Okay, another great uh, point that you could talk about. But finally, number 10, great to love the church because you become part of something bigger. You know, again, so easy for us to just live our life, but at the end of our life, it's going, to look, it's going to be so much better to go, look at the legacy, look at the connection, look at the generations, look at something that I contributed to that is going on. Not just, oh, look at my nice Austin Healy Sprite in the garage. 
you know, or my nice polished golf award on the mantelpiece or, you know, all the stuff that we can enjoy on life for ourselves is great. Nothing wrong. Martin, golf, go for it. Win all the trophies, you know. But... But we, we give out, we're connected. Look at, look at what the Bible says. He says, who you are. Life is not just about you. Look at this, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. You're a chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're part of a holy nation, God's special possession, so that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. That's, that's a great Statement, calling, revelation, identity to have rather than just, yeah, I'm a bloke who's got a job, work hard, buy a boat to enjoy on the weekends. You know, it's like, come on, we can do more than just live for ourselves, yeah? Now, I know I'm preaching to the converted, literally. <laughs> but, but, but God has plans for others to be converted. Not just a personal, like I said, relationship with Him, but baptised into a revelation of his house, his church, his family, and that they would also be part of what we are part of. And so if we are passionate, if you're appreciative of something and you're aware of how good something is in your life, you'd naturally tend to talk about it. So it's good for us to just be refreshed, reminded, encouraged. Yeah, for all its issues, this is great. Come on, this is awesome. And I should be confident. And I, I want us all to be confident to invite and bring people to the house of God. Obviously, we bring reach out into the community. But you can guarantee, if you bring someone here on a Sunday, they will be blessed with a warm welcome, a life application message, some great music, free coffee, you know, whatever. It's not going to kill them and it'll bless them, yeah? And so we should be confident about that. So let us follow God's call to stay connected and committed together in His church as His church to be brothers and sisters in His family, yeah? To build together and to become His temple, to grow together as His body, to follow Him together as His flock of the Great Shepherd, and to march together as His army. Amen? Praise the Lord. Come on. Let's pray. Thank You, Lord. Jesus, we thank You. You're the head of the church. You're the head. We are the body. We love You, and we thank You that You help us to love each other. We want to love one another. We want to honour you by loving your church, following what you do, where you lead. Not the institution, Lord, not the structure, the man-made rules and regulations, but just that basic essence of the church, just gathering around you as our Lord and Saviour, honouring you, Father God, worshipping you, our Father in heaven, our Father, not just my Father by myself, but our Father, because we are brothers and sisters in your family. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are the glue, you are the oil that helps the, the cogs, the wheels, the machinery of life all kind of work together. And we do want to work together, walk together, serve together, build together. And I pray today that we will catch that and for everyone online as well, Lord, catch that connection that You call us into. Thank You. You know, if you're here today or if you're watching online, just make that commitment to Jesus yourself. It is personal. And as I said, it's not meant to be private. We're here to help and reach out and we'll give you, well, the notes from today's message, for example, or more literature, prayer support if you're online or if you're here. 
Just ask for someone to come and walk with you and talk to you more about following the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Touching, blessing, building us today. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.